0: Alright, good morning everybody. It's good to see you again. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I miss you guys a lot and I can't wait to uh, to get to hang out with you and to do church together again, the, you know, the way we used to. Um, I miss hugging people. I know that's weird. I was thinking about that today. Um, but, I don't know, just that, that part of uh, connecting and specific people um, that I miss hugging. So, you're on the list. Doesn't matter who you are. Miss you. Love you. All right. Um, I wanted you guys to, to know just, uh, as the government's talking about, um, when, how we're going to move forward, when that's going to happen. Uh, I want you to know that we're considering, uh, what that's going to look like for us as a church. And then when that's going to happen as well, um, as you're probably already aware, you know, life is not going to go back to the way that it used to be, at least not until a vaccine, uh, or something like that is available. So, Uh, That means that when we do start meeting that things are going to be probably different than they were before, uh, particularly in how we uh, interact with the neighborhood and how we handle our children uh, on Sunday mornings and things like that. So uh, our staff and elders will be talking about that um, to figure out what we need to do in order to protect one another and to protect our our community. Um, I just wanted you to know that was on my radar. I know that I'm really looking forward to that day and I'm sure that you are too, um, but it won't be just... Um, like we just show up and things are back to normal so things are gonna be a little different but be praying for us about that as as we move forward that God would speak uh, very clearly about when and how we are to start meeting again because I want to be ready when that time gets here right Um, I wanted to also thank you guys for um, your faithfulness in pursuing the Lord about your giving financially you know we're chugging right along things seem to be going great so continue to keep that before the Lord and, and give as he calls you to um, and again, there you know there may be some extra expenses as we begin meeting together about uh, you know about things maybe changes we need to make in the facility or um, just things like that. So just continue to pray about that. Stay before the Lord on it, uh, and He's going to take care of us like He always does. So. I want to ask you too to be praying for our community. Um, you know, as we've talked about before, um, it's just a um, kind of a revolving door community, and so there's a really good chance when we get back, whenever that is, um, that the kids that we knew that were there aren't going to be there anymore, and there's going to be a new batch, or it could be the same. We don't know, but we want to be praying for our community. Um, just keep them, you know, on your list and pray for them um, at, at least weekly. Bring those, bring those kids and those adults to the Lord. Um, and just to ask God to continue to speak to us about how to minister to them so uh, as we get started this morning I want to just kind of point out that in our text this week you're gonna see a shift happen you know prior to chapter 3 the major focus of the beginning of the book was on uh, the activities of humans how we interact with God how the, the preacher his life and the things that he did um, in terms of seeking God and seeking wisdom and those things Um, And now we're going to see a shift happen. The shift that we're going to see is that now the the book is going to um, focus more on God's activity. And it's important for us to see that because um, of what the preacher is going to say. And if we have the wrong perspective on that, uh, it may cause us to think that we need to do some things, or there's some decisions that we need to make that maybe not won't be true, and you'll kind of see what I'm talking about as we as we dig into this today. But um, we do play a you know a role in how we respond to the Lord. Um, but as we're going to see today, ultimately God's the one that's in control of our lives, and and so anyway, I will I'll stop right there. We'll we'll dig into it. So let's let's begin this morning. Um, when in Ecclesiastes chapter three, we're going to read verses one through eight. It says this: For every oh, there's the. Let me say this real quick too. There's the title, all right? That's not an accident. There's a fill in the blank. We'll get to that in a minute. I'll tell you what that is later, okay? All right, so Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through eight. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. And a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Hmm, how ironic! A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So today as we as we kind of work through this passage, we're going to look at several um, other passages to kind of help us understand that. The, end of the, the intent of this passage, um, for me, as I've studied it, isn't so much that um, that it's a list, but more of a concept um, that it's trying to explain, right? So in, in pointing to several other things that we're going to look at um, today, we're going to use some scripture to help us to define kind of or get an idea of what the, um, the preacher is trying to get across. In studying this passage and looking at the actual Hebrew words, which I like to do um, with the limited knowledge that I have, um, I was kind of stopped in my tracks by this first verse today. And, and so the first point I want to make today, and, and we'll look back at this verse in a minute, is um, what that first verse is actually saying. If you want to look at it now, you can. But what it's really saying is that there is an appointed time and a, or, or, there is an appointed and suitable time for everything. There's an appointed and suitable time for everything. This stopped me in my tracks because I know the things in my life that have caused a lot of pain, a lot of suffering for myself, for my wife, for my children. And my thoughts also immediately went to many of you guys who I know are either in the middle of something that's really hard right now, um, or have recently in the past, um, particularly in terms of loss and of suffering. And and I'll be honest with you, like I've really struggled with this. I mean, think about it. If if The author is saying that there's an appointed and suitable time for everything. What does that have to say about the really hard stuff that happens in life, right? That's been my struggle is is how do we deal with that, right? Um, I think the best place probably to start to understand this is to go back to Genesis again, to chapter 3. And the commentaries that I read this week obviously went here, and I think it's a really good place for us to start. So look at me um, at Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 17 through 19 to start off with. It says this, right so we've touched on this concept before um, but we see right here in the beginning that we're living under the consequences of sin right that's something that we've talked about we've kind of broken that down on several occasions and I want you to understand that it and and again I've said this before but it's so crucial that we understand that God's intent for us when he created us was not for us to have to live under these circumstances his his goal was not for us to have to live really hard lives right however Here we are, right? We live under those consequences and there's nothing that we can do about it. And as we discussed over the last two weeks, God took the initiative and he fixed the issue by sending Jesus to restore the brokenness that exists in all of us because of the fact that we're born into sin. In our passage today, the author makes the point that we are living under the rule of time. And in fact, if you look at verse 22 through 23, just skip down a little bit, it says this, Then the Lord God said, behold the man has become like one of us knowing good and evil now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden to Eden to work the ground from which he was taken now I I don't know if this is something you've ever thought about before but consider the difference it makes for you and I the fact that we live under the laws of time and not the eternalness of God right God removes Adam and Eve for the garden and it says here specifically so that they cannot eat from the from the tree of life and live forever because God loved them right he didn't want them to live under these circumstances forever have you thought about that before that if we were eternal like God that that our lives would never end and and some of this suffering that we experience also would never end and so I want to make this point today and I know it may sound Odd, but think about this. In in His grace and mercy, God made sure that we didn't have to live in this affliction for eternity. What happens, and we all know this by experience, is we find ourselves in these cycles that the preacher calls out in these first uh, eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter three you know through time we experience the highs and the lows of what life has to offer and it's worth pointing out that that this list is neither exhaustive exhaustive nor in any particular order we need to understand that so that we don't find ourselves trying to make something out of this list that isn't there the preacher's saying that in our lives we're going to experience you know the extremes of all of these we're going to have the highs we're going to have the lows we're going to have things that are really great and feel really good and then we're going to have times that don't feel really good I was thinking about this passage this week um, and I I wanted to share this story with you this week our family began um, dismantling literally a part of our lives um, that was a big part of who we were like it was I felt like part of my identity right many of you guys remember that Bethany and I used to raise a lot of chickens if you didn't know that we did we raised um, we had laying hands but we also had a lot of meat birds and so we would raise them and process them and um, by hand and then we would sell those to directly to the customer and it was a ton of work but we loved it okay and our kids loved it too because I got to play with baby chickens matter of fact I got a picture here for you kinda give you an idea of what we're talking about so if you if you look at this picture here I have to look over to see it wait this is weird it's On this side on your screen anyway I'm looking this way but I'm pointing at the screen you can see there's like a hundred baby chicks in that picture right like who like I don't care if you're a kid or an adult who wouldn't want to get in there I didn't put a picture of me and Bethany in there because they weren't great pictures of us but um, but look how much fun that looks like right I don't know if you've ever held a baby chicken before but they're just fuzzy and soft and they're really fun to watch um, playing around and so we raised a lot of chickens, and our kids loved it, and we loved it, and it started kind of on a whim. Bethany posted something on her Facebook about getting some chicks, and people started asking us when they could buy chicken from us. Okay, That wasn't our original intent, but it sounded like fun, so we started researching and learning what it would take to, to raise meat birds out on a pasture. And to say that there was a lot of trial and error would be a massive understatement. Like, we dealt with everything from heat waves that caused the chicken houses that we were using to kill the birds, like they would, they would overheat and die, um, to flash floods that caused uh, caused me to have to like wade through uh, an overflowing creek to save these chickens from the water, to dealing with predators and then um, learning how to make our own processing equipment and learning by trial and error what worked and what didn't work. But through all of that, we were learning so much and having a ton of fun because we were doing it together. And then at the end of it, like, we got some really great chicken to eat. So, I mean, it was a win-win all the way around. And as we learned together, as we got better, the business grew, and we got really involved with um, a particular young farmers group and, and got surrounded by some other people that were in love with farming and just got even more excited about the possibility of what this could become. Bethany and I decided, um, and I encourage you guys to do this if you've never done it, is we took a weekend to ourselves. Um, And we just went on what we were kind of calling um, a life planning retreat where we prayerfully considered how God would have us move forward, not just with chickens, but with ministry, with um, our kids. Like we talked about long term goals for them, uh, long term goals for our business, long term goals for our relationship. And as we prayed through all these things with chickens in particular, God said, go for it. So we came home. We were really excited about the potential of what this ha- what this could mean for us. Um, we took out a loan. We bought some professional processing equipment and got rid of all the junk that I had, ma- had tried to make. Like we were, you have to scald a chicken. I was using a crawfish pot originally. Okay. And so then we bought a machine that regulated the temperature on its own and you just toss the birds in there. And, and anyway, many of you may not want to hear about that, but it was really exciting because now we had this stuff that was made for what we were doing. Um, and so uh, this picture actually is from 2015 this is right after all that started and we bought this batch of this is probably a hundred here. sometimes we did as many as 200 at a time um, and we had all this stuff we publicized it and people were excited we were excited and then all of a sudden it all came to like a crashing stop we were just a couple of weeks from processing our first batch of the season when we discovered that Bethany was pregnant with Charlie now That in and of itself was really exciting, okay? Maybe not at first. We had four kids already, and we thought we were done, but God had other plans for us, and that was great. She's been an incredible blessing. That's another story for another time. But we realized that there was no way we could accomplish all that we had been dreaming about with an infant in tow. We knew because we had four kids already that it was going to be three, four, five years before that child was independent enough that Bethany and I could spend and you know, an entire weekend processing chickens without having to hover over a child the whole time. So we processed that that batch. We put all our stuff that we had been planning on hold for what we thought would be a year, two, three at the most, and then we jump right back in. We'd be ready. Well, then cancer came to visit, and we've been through that story before. I'm not going to hash through it, through it again, but. In all I was looking today, it's been a little over five years since we made that move to invest heavily in this business. I'd say it was heavy for us, maybe not for some people, Um, but we never got to realize that dream. And Friday, um, as a family, we tore down the brooder, the one in the picture that we used to start these chicks. And, And I'll be honest, it was really, really sad. It was an emotional time for me, like Bethany and I even got in a stupid argument because I was a jerk um you know how that story goes and and really if I if I boiled it all down it was just because I was upset right not not because um the business didn't work or anything like that but it just was a really fun time in my life and I think more than anything it was because I didn't get to decide it was over right it was like someone else decided for me and, and and that just bothered me a little bit okay and I share this story with you today because um, it's a time in my life when I really like we prayed hard about it before we invested, and we asked God, like, is this something that you want us to do? And He said yes. And so in my mind, if we're going to invest in something like this, like it's we're going to see a lot of years invested in this, and it didn't work out that way. And I know that all of us have things like that in our lives, right? We may not share uh, a desire to process chickens, right, but we do we do share sometimes in our lives where things didn't work out the way that we thought they should, right? And right now is a great example of this same idea. Here we are having to meet remotely because of a global pandemic. Like I got a message earlier that Kobe's not going to be able to lead worship because Carly's sick. You know, this is, and and, and it makes us sad, right? We don't, we don't want life to be that way, but yet here we are. And unfortunately on this side of heaven, there's going to be so many things that happen in our lives that we just don't have answers for. One of my commentaries that I read this week said this about the passage. It says, um, the preacher is referring to normal life. He's talking about that list. He says, God's plan, his timing, extends to birth and death, sickness and health, employment and unemployment. The entirety of the human life is poetically summed up here. Because as we read these first eight verses, we need to see that what's being described is the life that we're living right now, not something that used to be. This is not saying that life was this way back in the day. This is a description of what we experience right now, what we are experiencing, what our, our friends and family are experiencing are these highs and these lows. You know, Bethany just last week had a very good friend of hers who lost his mom and his dad in a matter of two days to COVID. I mean, that's, that's tragic and it's sad. And I think that, that as we go through life, as we look at this list and we think about our highs and our lows, I think part of the reason that we struggle with this is not just the loss. It's because our viewpoint is so limited. Um, I think that, that if we could see the entire timeline like God can, that there would be a lot of aha moments, if you will. But since we don't have that same viewpoint because we aren't God, the only one that we really can have is to to understand it, that that he's in control, right? I think it's also worth mentioning that that often when we go through stuff. We assume that it's for us, like that when when life gets hard, that that either God's trying to teach us something or that he's trying to punish us. But we always assume that that it's about us. But that's not always the case. And sometimes it's the opposite of that. Right. Like if God's blessing me financially, it may not be because he wants to bless me financially. It may be because he's setting me up to have the resources to take care of somebody else. on the opposite side of that coin it may be that if I'm struggling financially it's not so that someone can bless me maybe it is but maybe it's so that I can have a shared experience with someone else to say hey look I've been where you are and I know how it feels what we need to understand and this is my main point number two for today is that God is sovereign over our whole life not just parts of it not just the good not just the bad but all of it everything in between And when we look at this passage we see that God appoints not, or appoints not just to the things that are difficult, but also to the things that are joyful. And I want to ask you this, like, think about this. What would give you more comfort knowing that all of the things that happen in our lives are completely random or that God is in control of everything? I can't speak for you, but I would much rather that all of my life was in God's hands rather than just being left to chance. And Why do I feel that way? I feel that way because I know that God loves me and that no matter what things look like in the moment, he has my very best in mind. Even when things seem to be at their worst, God is still in control and is still faithfully working. Look back with me at Genesis chapter 3 again. I never really noticed this until this week when I was studying for this. This is um, in verse 21 of chapter 3. This is right after God uh, kicks him out of the garden. He says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So after God removes Adam and Eve from the garden, which was the consequences of their decision to rebel against what God said to disobey him, he makes them clothes. Look, I, I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly significant. God didn't have to do that. He could have just like saying to them, look, from now on, you're going to have to work for your food and it's going to be hard and there's going to be thistles and thorns that you have to deal with and it's going to be exhausting and you're going to do that until you die. God could have said, and also you have to make clothes for yourself now that you realize that you're naked. But God didn't do that, right? He made a way because he loved them. He made a way for them to be comfortable and we can find comfort in the fact that that God loves us and he's in control. Just like Adam and Eve, they I don't know what the weather was like there, but the chances are great if they're living in a, or were living in a garden that was, you know, perfect, that the weather was pretty nice. And so they didn't need those garments to protect them from the elements more than to, to, to cover the shame that they were experiencing, right? And so God made them clothes, not because they had to have it, but because emotionally it was going to be better for them. It was going to make them feel better. And we can find comfort in that. If God loves us enough to, to not just take care of the things that we have to have, but also the things that we want sometimes, I think that's pretty awesome. Look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. It says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Like we've read that passage before, and and I know that sometimes when we read that, it's like when somebody's really upset about something, and you're like, stop being upset about that. Or if someone's really anxious and you're like, just calm down, all right? That doesn't doesn't fix it, right? But look, the reality is that we can spend our time worrying about things that we can't change, or we can choose to give those things to God and let him handle it. Whether life is going well, or or if it feels like it's spiraling out of control, or if we've suffered a loss, we can find comfort in the fact that God is still with us and He still loves us, no matter what life looks like. We see in Genesis that even though God is dealing with Adam and Eve's sin, He doesn't turn His back on them. Understanding that God is in control of our lives allows us to, to have hope. Look at what the psalmist says. This is David uh, in response to the suffering that's going on in his life. This is Psalm chapter uh, 27. We're going to read the whole thing. It's not too long, but, but look at me with this. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said seek my face, so my heart seeks you. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast not Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. And then I love the way he ends this. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Look, in light of what the psalmist is facing, he continues to turn to the Lord. When his enemies attack, he turns to the Lord. When things are good, he turns to the Lord. And and church, we can take a lesson from this, that no matter where you find yourself today, you can find comfort in the fact that God loves you and that he knows exactly what you're going through. And, and guess what? It's not going to last forever. We can find hope in the fact that we will look up to the goodness of the Lord if we will only wait on him. We can try to take hold of our lives and direct them the way that we want them to go. But the, at the end of the day, it's not up to us. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes. His steps. I know that you're familiar with that verse, but it's not saying that we don't have free will. It means that if we want our lives to follow God's desires for us, we need to rely and wait on him to lay out the way in which we should live. We have the option of, of turning or and walking away from God, or we have the option of submitting our lives to his sovereignty. And it's only in submitting to him that we can gain a perspective that will show us Um, or allow us to see beyond our current context right and that's what we need we need to see beyond where we are right now but it's God that allows us to see what's actually coming all of us being stuck at home you know we're we're asking and we're waiting when is this gonna end when are we gonna get to be together again we're asking for an answer that is beyond what those who are in leadership around us can even know right the president doesn't know when this is going to end. The governor doesn't know when this is going to end. I don't know when this is going to end. But God does. Glenn and I were talking last week and he mentioned how timely this study has been for our body and for the world right now. Right, The fact that, that God has given us this message of his love in a broken world. And our world is more broken right now than we've ever experienced it. As we are spending time with God, we are allowing him to give some context to what is going on in our lives right now, to what's going on in the church right now. And listen, God's not surprised by this. I'm convinced that he told us to study this book right now for this time so that we can gain some perspective on what's going on. And my hope is is that you are beginning to realize that, that this is a really important time for all of us. I'm hoping that this week, as you spend time with the Lord, that you'll ask him, what has this time been given to me for? What am I to do with this? How do we respond to what you're doing? And and guys, I'll tell you how we respond is is going to determine the extent of which we really get out of this, right? If, if we just, you know cast this aside and say, well, you know, I'm just going to lumber through the next couple of weeks and then once life gets back to normal, then I'll get jumping. And We're going to miss out on all the opportunities that God has for us right now. But if we'll dive in, if we'll make the effort to seek him, he's going to expand our understanding of who he is and also the people around us. If you haven't already been asking for that, I'm, I beg you, please ask the Lord how he wants to use this time. And it's up to you whether this time is productive or if it's wasteful right God wants to be productive in your life. he wants to to do a work in your life but the only way that happens is if we pursue him if we say hey God this is something that I want to so I told you a while ago I left the, the blank in front of the word time in the title today because it's up to you what goes in that blank right it could be good it could be bad It could be joyful it could be productive For some of you, it could be wibbly-wobbly, okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about, okay? But it's completely up to you. If we choose to pursue God, to seek his will, and to obey what he says, the time that we have right now is gonna be a success. Not because we did anything good, not because we were productive, but simply because we obeyed. That is success, right? God has given us this time. Let's use it, church, to know him to seek Him and to obey Him. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.